Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's dive in. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are going to have a conversation about something that as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as business creators, you have probably heard from a coach at some point. And it has to do with your relationship with money. We are programmed, unfortunately, from childhood in many cases to have a negative relationship with money. Uh, the way I like to explain it is how many of us as kids heard the joke about what's the difference between uh, a porcupine and a BMW? And if you know the punchline to that, you know what I'm getting at. That's one of the many things that layer upon our consciousness and subconsciousness that get in the way of our relationship with money. And I'm telling you, and you're hearing this from me, you deserve a good relationship with money because you've earned it. And to stand by me, beside me, and explain to you why you have earned it, why you deserve a good relationship with money, I have with us Bob Wheeler. You are going to love this guy. Bob helps listeners conquer their money shame and avoid making poor financial decisions by learning, or rather teaching, how emotions can dictate our choices. And you can tell I'm fired up here. As a man of true integrity with infectious energy, Bob's crusade for personal growth has cross-pollinated with his accounting practice to create a new approach to personal finances. His passion is to help others gain insights about how their emotions trigger financial decisions. Combining finances with behaviors, Bob explores his personal concepts of creating a healthy relationship with money in his recent book called The Money Nerve. While strengthening his accounting practice, Bob has simultaneously pursued his love of satire, oh, I love this guy already, and ventured into the realm of stand-up comedy. From his 30 years of helping clients, Bob has distilled a concoction of warmth, humor, information, motivation, and budgeting directives that he offers anyone with financial concerns. He is also the, currently the CFO for the world-famous comedy store. Bob's world travels have led him to high altitudes, and I mean that literally. He's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, ascended to the Mount Everest base camp, and hiked several smaller mountains in between. With charm and humor, his experiences on the road, in the office, or running a Greek marathon feed his wit as a stand-up comic and financial motivator. Bob Wheeler, the weather's fine. Come on in. Great to be here, Adam. Thanks for that nice intro. I'm not even sure I'm worthy to be here. And this is my <laughs> show based on reading that. Uh, this is very impressive stuff. Now, what I'd like to do just very briefly is, and we do this with everybody here on Business Creators Radio. We have folks right now who are tuned in. Uh, they're leaning in. They have a separate browser tab open. They're going and they're binging the Yahoo out of this Google, being the, young, being the Yahoo out of the Googles. Dang, am I excited about this. And looking up themoneynerve.com, you're welcome, and checking out this Bob Wheeler guy. 
So before we dive into why we deserve a good relationship with money and how we've earned it, tell us just a little bit more about your story and your journey, rather, and what's brought you to where you are today, as we described in your very effective official biography, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, absolutely. Love to share. So, you know, when I started out, I, I went into accounting because it helped me not have to talk to people, right? I didn't, yeah. I wasn't comfortable. <laughs> I was more comfortable with numbers and it wasn't even something that I wanted to get into. I wanted to go to law school and then I met a bunch of lawyers and said, yeah, not me. And Same here. Uh, I was going to go to law school and then I attended this uh, seminar. The guy was mesmerizing, charismatic, uh, satirical, sarcastic, yeah. great storyteller, had just uh, ready to <laughs> cry and scream and laugh. And I'm thinking, this is an amazing guy. And yeah. he just talked me out of ever being a lawyer. Well, there you go. See, smart so, guy. Thank God I went to a seminar. Yeah, That's go right. ahead. Go to seminars, people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I jumped into accounting um, and, and it was just something that came easy to me. Um, but at the same time, I was aware that I was doing financial sabotage to myself because people with lesser credentials were seemingly getting ahead financially and I wasn't. So I had to start looking at what were my money stories and what were my beliefs and where was I self-sabotaging? Cause I wanted to have lots of money. Um, and you know, I grew up like a lot of people thinking the more you have, the more material things you have, uh, the better your life will be. So I was trying to get yeah. there really quick. And so that was coupled with working with clients that would do the exact opposite of what I thought was really sound financial advice and realized they were in their financial stories. And so until I could understand where they were coming from, I wasn't going to get any movement from them. And so I had to sort of meet them where they were. And I work with a lot of comics. I work with a lot of entertainment people. And I realized most people were walking around with a lot of financial shame, thinking that they didn't get the financial download. They didn't get the financial literacy course that everybody else maybe got. And, and so it, it, I just got really curious and I started working to get out of my shell because I was just not a comfortable person, um, you know, inside. Now, maybe outside people might've said, well, he looks like he's doing a good job talking to people inside. I was very, I was terrified. And, and so learning to take my own steps to push past my comfort zone and starting to have conversations, difficult conversations with people and exploring what was true for them and what were the stories that they were telling themselves about money, about finances and about self-worth and deserving. And, and I started holding workshops and I, I just I started doing the work and it just got me fired up and it really helped me to step forward into my relationship with money. Um, I took a couple travels, which I highly recommend, realized that abundance isn't all about having the nicest car or having the biggest bank account, but it's about relationships, experiences, integrity. And, and so I've just made it my mission to start these conversations so that we can remove that stigma of shame and know that we all don't know and we're all learning. So, you know, when you said teaching, learning earlier in the intro and you, you thought you messed up. I'm actually learning too. I'm, I hope yeah. I keep learning. Of, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that's all fantastic. So, you know, you made reference to emotions and how do our emotions impact our financial decision-making even when we think we're being analytical? Well, you know, that's the thing. When you, 
get a lottery ticket and you win or you don't win, you either go, oh my God, I just won five bucks or yeah, I never win, right? <laughs> Even in something like that. Uh, I think the best example, when I was working with my editor, my first editor, she said to me, you know, I love this book that you're writing about emotions and stuff, but like, I don't make any decisions emotionally when it comes to money. I said, oh, okay. Um, well, when you go to lunch with your dad, who pays? Oh, my dad does because I'm his little princess. Okay. Who pays for lunch when you go out with your mom? Oh, I do. I feel so bad. My mom got left behind. My dad just left her. Oh, okay. Wow. Who pays for lunch when you go out with your sister? Oh, it's 50-50 because we're equal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. Right. Uh -huh. So it, like even in just that conversation, she realized, right, you know, ever, ever get with a group of people and split the tip and see what kind of emotions come up? Um, People make decisions every day, either to make themselves feel better uh, or because they're in fear or because money's an easier way to get people to go away or get people to love us. And so it's, it's built in from the beginning. Yeah. That's one of the points I made um, in my intro. And, you know, I'll say yeah. because it's my show and everybody knows that there is a bit of a shock value to the Business Creators Radio and that show. In fact, some of our listeners tune in every week just to see when I go off. Um, <laughs> so the difference between a BMW and a porcupine with the porcupine, the pricks on the outside. <laughs> now we're told jokes like that as children. And the idea behind us being told that is we're supposed to laugh at rich people and we're supposed to think, oh, that guy, he's got a BMW. Well, who the hell does he think he is? And you implant in people's minds, especially when they're impressionable and they're forming their views on the world, creating the lens through which they will create their truth as adults and through life that, well, if you have a BMW, you must be an asshole. Right. So we're not looking at, okay, so Maybe you like a car like a BMW, or maybe you like a Mercedes, or maybe you like a Cadillac, or maybe you want to go for a Lamborghini, whatever it is, or maybe, or maybe it's a helicopter instead, who knows? But instead of saying, well, only jerks and, and crooks get rich and have cars and vehicles like that, we could instead look at, all right, so you want to have a BMW, that's interesting. So how do we get you early on into a mind frame of knowing how to manage your money and having financial literacy that'll create the best opportunity for you to reach that goal. And when you get to that point, how can you effectively leverage wealth and have a positive relationship with money? So rather than thinking to becoming wealthy is a bad thing, you look at how that is a good thing and puts you in a position where you can serve the world from an overflowing cup and do a lot of good. We don't hear too much of that as kids. No, not at all. Not at all. And I think, I think what you're saying is, is right on. It's, when I do workshops, I'll ask people, what do you think of rich people? Rich people suck. Rich people are evil. Rich people are greedy. Who wants to be rich? I do, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so right there, we're in a bind. And if we can learn to realize that, uh, that money allows us to be of service. Money allows us to help other people. Money allows us to not have so much anxiety if we're willing to embrace all that comes with it. Certainly people might judge you. Certainly people might say, oh, you know, you're, you're, the, you're, you're the prick in the BMW um, and not really look at the whole picture. Yeah. In my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. We devote a subsection of a chapter to analyzing whether greed is good. And what's interesting Many of our listeners probably, as soon as I said that phrase, they can see that, 
that clip from the movie Wall Street from 35 years ago, and you have Michael Douglas playing the Gordon Gecko character saying, greed is good. And what I love to point out is that he did not say greed is good. He said greed, for lack of a better word, is good. He didn't say it's good. He said it's something. Right. But he introduced the idea, and then it goes into greed for life, for money, for knowledge, uh, and everything about how greed works, and greed is a driving force that creates great things and saves companies and saves countries. And when you look at it from that perspective, you think, wait a minute, is greed good? Because he never said uh, greed is good. He said greed, for lack of a better word, is good, so it's something. He also didn't say it's bad. And we're programmed the reason I bring that up is that, well, if you have a lot of money and you have a lot of wealth, you must be a greedy person because you didn't give it away. Q2, when you're in school and, you know, you mentioned lottery tickets. So yep. you scratch off, and maybe you win $5 or maybe you're that lucky person that wins the million dollars a year for life. I know somebody that won the million dollars a year for life. And it's, you know, it's a nice shot in the arm to their financial picture. It didn't make them filthy rich but it put their retirement on track i can put you, i can tell you that much yeah. uh so you get an essay assignment in elementary school saying you've 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 won a million dollars you got a million dollars what are you going to do with it and the expected answer is you make a list of all the people you're going to give it away to right because you can't have it it's bad you're not supposed to have that money that's right so the automatic default is who you're going to get to give it to. And you know, when I, when I, people ask me that question, I say, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pay all my bills so that I'm not uh, spending any more money on interest and debt service and it'll free up my existing cash flow. So I have more money to begin with. Absolutely. And as far as who I'm going to give it to, I maybe I'll, maybe if my sister's house isn't paid off yet, I'll pay that off. That's about as far as it goes. I might give a hundred bucks to a couple people, but I'm not really going to, I'm not going to just hand away my money. Uh, it'll put me in a position where people want to join me and let's make money together. Now I'm in a position to come into deal. So I'll have that conversation with you. But as far as giving a bunch of stuff away and not knowing if it's going to get used for any good, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that I think we give the money away is because then we don't have to deal with setting boundaries. We don't have to deal with saying, no, I'm actually going right. to keep this for myself. And I'm actually not a bad person. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Bob, it sounds like we need financial therapy. Why do we need financial therapy? Well, the thing is this, if we don't understand why we're doing what we do with our money, um, then we're going to keep doing the same thing. You know, I had a client who would have had this successful business and every three or four years, it would torpedo, completely fall apart. And her mom would come in and save her. And so I sat down with her after the third cycle and I said, what's going on here? And she's like, I don't know, you know, the business, I try so hard and then it fails. And we started looking at a relationship with her mom and failing the business and having her mom save her was the only way that she knew that her mom loved her. And wow, that was an important piece of information because once we knew that we could actually make some different choices and still affirm that her mom loved her without having to destroy the business. And sometimes it's that big where we're making these decisions or we don't want to look at the reality of things or we don't want to have clear boundaries. And if we just muddle through or stay confused, we get to keep living in our same story. I think if we do financial therapy, we start getting uncomfortable in these situations and start looking at things and start having difficult conversations, 
the sky's the limit once we know where our limitations are, where we get triggered, uh, where we excel, and, and then we can focus on living a, living a life that we want. Precisely. And I think what we're also discovering, and I may, if we have time to get to a couple examples, they're going to make people say, whoa, no, he didn't. And I'm going to say, yes, I did. And they're going to say, no, he didn't. And I'm going to say, yes, I did. And they're going to say, no, he didn't. I'm going to say, yes, I did. I just did it. <laughs> we may get there. Now, some of our listeners know I'm referencing one of the funniest clips that I've ever seen from the TV show Family Guy. It's the one after they crash the airplane and they're watching the video in the cockpit. Uh, you can look up, oh, no, she didn't, or a Family Guy or something. You can find it. But that's what I was referencing. Uh, our shows also have a lot of pop culture references because I like to help people understand that what we share on Business Creators Radio is very much real life yeah. by creating analogies and comparisons to things that we all see every day and things that sometimes we chuckle about and aren't on the surface thinking of as potential business lessons. But I do that so that people can begin to see these relationships. So speaking of relationships, Bob, yeah. what's a healthy relationship with money? I think a healthy relationship with money is one where we're not making everything about making the dollar. Like yeah. I enjoy money. Uh, don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. Uh, but I used to think that my value was actually counted in money. So I had to have lots of money. I had to have the nice car and I had to have actual pieces of proof that I was deserving. And I, when I spent some time in Africa, I was really amazed at how happy people were, even though they didn't have nice cars, they were living in huts, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have access to uh, a bath every day. And I, I, it was mind boggling for me. And it really made me stop and reevaluate uh, what is healthy. And, 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 and so uh, as much as I enjoy money, I, I want to actually be able to stay in integrity. I want to be able yeah. to help other people. I want to be able to be in service. I want to uh, be able to do whatever I want to do within limits, but not come from an entitled place just because, oh, I've got money. I can do whatever I want. And so it, it really, for me, having a healthy relationship became sort of a way of life for me. Um, and, 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 and really, like, what is important to me? What is abundance? Is it just about money or is it about deep, authentic relationships? Is it about friends that will tell me what I want to hear or people that will hold me accountable and gently and kindly lift me off my pedestal when I, when I get a little too, uh, you know, goody two shoes or whatever it might be. Um, so for me, learning to be, have a healthy relationship is really about having a full, authentic, amazing, abundant life. Yeah. And I think that they're all, we also go through seasons as human beings. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Having checked out your website and looked into some of the work that you do, I noticed that you work with people at different stages at different seasons in their life. So mm -hmm. in one case, uh, the relationship with money can change as we transition from college life to, as we like to say, air quotes, adulting. Another right. is now you're juggling your career and your family and now you got kids and you know, kids are expensive and you're trying to stay afloat. And later on, or maybe even sooner on in this day and age, just depends, you may be assessing your ability to retire to figure out if you even can retire. And the, and the thing is, I've been around just long enough to have been there for the dot-com bubble, uh, the thing that happened in 2008, and the thing that happened in 2020. 
And that's why when I hear about, well, you just save your money and earn the interest, I think, yeah, until the next freaking tidal wave comes through. Right. I mean, I, I can't believe, I just, I just don't have a belief in it because right. my, 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 I, I knew even before I went to college 25 years ago that the, that the little shack on the golf course in Fort Lauderdale after you get the gold watch after 40 years of service, I already knew that was gone. Right. But now, you know, we can think about financial literacy and then we can just look at what's happened within our lifetimes and think, well, does it even really matter? Because some bug's going to come along or, or they're going to give out too many loans or they're going to dive too deep into a new technology. I'm referencing those three cataclysmic events in reverse order. That's just going to wipe the whole thing out anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think it's important to stay engaged and proactive in your finances because things change. If you had told me two years ago, um, uh, landlords might be struggling collecting rents, I would have said, no, real estate's it's a no brainer. You're always going to get rents. Oh, well, here's a pandemic. People aren't paying rents. But, well, but, it's more than people aren't paying rents. <laughs> there are now laws that shield them from being evicted if they don't pay their rents. That's right. Now, now, yeah, I know a lot of those laws say, well, if you don't pay your rent now or you get uh, rent forgiveness, you're going to owe a huge ass lump someone once this bug goes away and you're probably going to get evicted because you're just not going to have the money then either. Uh, right. But even so, now you're going to have a bunch of people out there with, uh, with destroyed credit uh, trying to find a place to live and landlords trying to rent places. That's if the landlord didn't go bankrupt and have the property seized. Right. Exactly. And so that's the, you can't just take for granted, this is, this is what worked in the past, so it's going to work in the future. Those models don't necessarily hold true. Right. And that's a pretty scary thing when you, when you think about it. So uh, there's a couple things from, and I alluded to this when we first introduced you here, some things happened in your past. Yes. I, Bob, I know what you did last summer. I know. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, first of all, you know, I, I, I need to ask, and our, I think some of our listeners want to know, what happened in Africa that changed your beliefs around money? Oh. Yeah, well, that's, so the thing that I really learned in Africa, and I've been to Africa a couple of times since, and, and it keeps getting reaffirmed. Yeah. In Africa, um, my experience was these people don't have a lot of money. Right. But they have a lot of gratitude. They have a lot of generosity. They are happy and they have learned to be in community and help each other. And it, it just blew my mind because I had grown up believing we are our material things. We are our accomplishments. And so seeing that they didn't have accomplishments and seeing these people saying, hey, come back and tell your friends if you would love to come in here, go everybody and tell, tell everybody to come and visit us. It, it, like I would throw out an empty bottle, they would take it out of the trash and reuse it. Uh, they, wow. they, they were resourceful and they were appreciative. And I wasn't that appreciative, I think. I think I was a bit entitled and I really couldn't understand. And it really taught me that maybe there's more to life than just building up a lot of money. Uh, and it, it really challenged me um, when I got back because I couldn't wait to get back to my Mercedes that was sitting at home for me. And those things that I thought gave me value, it, it, it re it, it just, it just shook my world up uh, in terms of my beliefs around money and purpose and value. Okay. I could go down a winding road here. 
And I think that uh, what, what's coming up for me when you say that is going back again to some of the challenges we have with teaching our children and our students financial literacy. So let's yeah. uh, go back to my college journey for just a moment here. And, you know, and I love your example of you saw them throw the bottle away and then they took that bottle out of the trash because you can reuse the bottle. Right. I uh, do the same thing. I save my empty laundry detergent bottles after I stand them on their caps to get that extra cap full after it's allegedly empty. Absolutely. Because, uh, <laughs> I can, I, because those things have future uses for me. It's what I learned growing up. Now, another thing that we see a lot of kids and people coming up in the education system and reaching adulthood, aside from being told jokes about porcupines and BMWs, they also may receive a, uh, an attempted at financial education that is just totally irrelevant to them. So when I was uh, in college, what do you think my interests were as far as money? Have as much as you could, probably. <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to be rich. Yeah, sure. Which is that song that was out around that time. Uh, what, uh, what do you think I wanted the money for? Go out and party, socialize. Well, let's see. There were, there were a few things. Um, uh, up at Penn State, I didn't want to eat the dining commons food every day. That's so, right. <laughs> uh, and then, and then uh, anybody that's been to Penn State knows that the weekend up there starts Thursday night. So I needed my thirty dollars to get wasted. Right. So that those were my concerns. Now uh, beyond that, um, I had my nineteen eighty eight Camaro with a system in it that was worth more than the car itself. Yeah. And I loved it that thing i would pull that thing into the driveway sometimes and then have to go drive around for two more hours i just couldn't park it Ugh. so I'm yeah, jealous i always wanted a camaro so. yeah so lectures <laughs> about fuel economy meant nothing to me it's like okay so if i so if i get an econo box i'll get 19 miles of the gallon versus 17 but i ain't gonna have this much fun so take your honda civic and jam it somewhere really i mean exactly. <laughs> it was my it was my feelings at the time yeah um, so how do you think I received people trying to educate me about how I needed to not have a Camaro, uh, not go out on Thursday nights and have a stock portfolio. I think at that age, you don't want to hear it. I already know everything. I'm 22. I know everything. <laughs> that's part. Yeah. That's part of it because you're at that point in life where uh, you, you, know, you still know everything. You, yeah. you're not yet, you, you haven't not yet gotten to the point where you realize you know very little at all. Right. Uh, but, that, but, that being, but that being said, it's like, oh, you mean like look at spreadsheets and read the financial section of the newspaper? Ugh. I got time for that shit. Yeah. If I, if, I wanna, if I wanna make money, show me how to make some money, man. Yeah. So, uh, so I think what I'm getting at is Another mistake that I see made with educating people on financial literacy is it's done in a way that's not relevant to the person hearing it. Uh, like I, rem I, I um, uh, remember that you know, my Camaro was a little bit older and it had a couple te you know, technical difficulties that needed to be fixed. And I was also building the stereo system for it. See, I had a, an interesting line on this. I wanted a competition style audio system for my Camaro. And I knew had some friends who were on the competition auto sound circuit. And what's interesting about those people is they were constantly upgrading their subwoofers, their amps, their wires, and everything <laughs> else 
So like, you know, it's, it's, it's even worse than people who have to, who will stand in line for 48 hours because they have to have the new iPhone, even though the, new, the one they have right now came out three months ago. Same phenomenon. Right. So I was picking up, uh, I was picking up con- competition grade audio equipment that was, that had 10 hours of use on it. That was three months old for 35 cents on the dollar. So right. I was, yeah, basically I was building a pile of equipment in my, uh, uh, in my in my closet that I was going to that summer install in a car. So naturally, uh, somebody's saying, well, you know, I think it's time you got rid of the Camaro. And I know you have almost everything you need for the system, but you should just forget that. And you should put that money in stocks. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sounds fun. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, yeah. And after, and after they droned on for 10 more minutes, like uh, the teacher on Peanuts, I said, oh, I'm sorry, were you there? Were you saying something? Because that's how much relevance that had to me. Absolutely. On the other hand, looking back on this retrospectively, hindsight being 2020, I may have, it might have been possible that somebody could have reached me where they could have said, all right, so, uh, uh, you know, you're going to put together this, you know, you're putting together the system for your Camaro. You're going to put the sound in and everything and then there's going to be something else you're going to want to do afterwards maybe you're going to want to do something with the engine of the car maybe you're going to want to uh look at the fact that you're getting to an age where you're going to be wanting to go to bars a lot and because you know it's what you do when you're in college in many cases and you're going to need some spending money for that uh then after college you know think ahead that you're gonna be graduating here in two years do you really want to be living in a $400 a month apartment with a roommate you can't stand? Or would you like to be in pole position to get a really nice apartment that you can have to yourself or even look at a house? So how can we, so what can we do to support you to get you in the mind frame of wealth development? I might've heard that. Right. But the idea of Oh, I know you're really passionate about this and all you ever think about or talk about is that system in your Camaro, but throw that away. You got to put that money in stocks. Yeah, whatever. Were you there? I'm sorry. Were you saying something? I didn't notice. Yeah. I and, think and, 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 I, and I got a little bit emotional the way I said that because I want to convey the frustration of people on the receiving end of what passes for financial literacy education in too many cases. And I want to get your thoughts on how we could reach people at that critical age better. Well, you know, I think one of the big things in our culture is that we're taught that we need immediate gratification and we do not really understand most of us don't understand the value of delayed gratification of planning ahead of thinking ahead and so i think that's a start uh with with kids is starting to explain well you can't have everything you want right now and not just because i said so but because mommy and daddy have to pay the rent or mommy and daddy like there are choices and there are consequences and their impact. So I think we start there. I also think that being able to keep it relevant, like you're talking about, keep it relevant and, and interesting rather than boring. And this is what it must be. You must save stocks, get people to understand why it benefits them. Like you've got to be able to hook people in as to seeing the value of, of doing something different. And I think yeah. even when I go to accounting seminars and people are talking in such a language, none of the CPAs around me are understanding what's going on. And I'll just raise my hand and go, what are you talking about? This is so boring and dry. And I, I'm just call me dumb, but I don't know what you're saying. And, oh, 
oh, let me break it down in terms that are like that people can digest. And I think that's the problem is people, um, a lot of financial people talk over uh, their clients uh, uh -huh. instead of talking to them and actually relating with them on a more authentic level. Yeah, I think that's where we're getting at. And one of the things about the Business Creators Radio Show, and our listeners know this, is we try to create the experience like they're listening in on a mastermind. So you yeah. and I bounce ideas back and forth, and we end up coming up with inspirations that neither one of us may have come up with on our own. So yeah. now I'm thinking to myself, what was a message that I would have actually heard if somebody delivered to me at that point in my life? Now, if somebody had come to me and said, all right, so uh, looks like you're getting pretty close to getting that system in your Camaro, awesome. Would you like to find out how to get the rest of the money faster so you can get it done and start enjoying it now? Right. Because we want to get you enjoying this now so that you have the accomplishment. And then we want to look ahead to building up some of your financial reserves so that when you come out of college, you have money in the bank so that you don't have to take the first crappy job that comes along just to pay your bills so that you can get a nice apartment that you can have to yourself or you can be in a pole position to actually maybe even buy a house if you want to go that route rather than having to live with your parents for an extended period of time or live in some $400 a month bolt hole with a roommate you can't stand. Right. Now that might've got my juices flowing. And the reason I bring it up that way is I agree that you know, instant gratification culture is a problem. And I also know that being told sacrifice, 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 do without, do without, do without, the future, the future, the future. Did you hear me say 10 minutes ago that enough things have happened in my life that I don't believe in the future? Right. And, that, and, I, and a lot of people I know I speak with feel the same way. Uh, what I believe in is how we design things now to insulate us from things that could happen in the future so that we have the financial security which is part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I'm not, I think that's, it's, it's either feast or famine. And I don't think it's either of those. It's somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. It's because I don't think um, sacrificing and sacrificing for years and years and going without and depriving yourself is healthy. Uh -huh. uh, and a lot of people get, I've had this happen so many times. I know it happens a lot. People get to retirement and then they die. And then they never took that trip they were going to take, or they never <laughs> did those things they were going to do. And it's, it's, yeah. it's sad. Like, don't wait. Um, find the balance though. It, you don't have to, um, you don't have to just be gluttonous um, about everything. Find a balance, but reward yourself. Don't scrimp and save, but do save, but not at the expense of, of living a miserable life and waiting for that future moment that it's all going to come together because it's right. not. Right. No, no phraseology in my hypothetical conversation from a moment ago where somebody would have said to me, all right, so it looks like you've been saving for a year and you've been collecting all this equipment to put your, your stereo system in your Camaro. So you think you're what, about $500, maybe six months away from the goal? What if we got you there faster? Right. I'm going to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking, oh, cool. Um, I'm going to get the money faster. I'm going to get the system in so I can enjoy it faster. Now, in coaching and mentoring, we one of the ways that philosophy is described is the idea of quick wins. Because if somebody's right. investing, particularly in coaching or in a in a in the, like a marketing service or something, if they have to keep pouring money in and pouring money in and pouring money in, and they never seem to get that result, they're going to say, "You ripped me off." Right. However. If you get them in the program, you get them on your client roster and you show them a quick win, 
now they're invested. That's right. They see, oh, there's possibilities here. So you actually are, in a way, giving a little bit of instant gratification. I make an investment. I see a result. It's not the ultimate result. It's not maybe even necessarily something huge. But now my mind is programmed to see a correlation between taking the step and gaining a benefit. So absolutely. it will encourage me to take more steps to get more benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally agree with that, that line of thinking. Um, because if, if it's just sacrifice, sacrifice, like what's the fun in that? Like I'm out. <laughs> I want to feel good. Um, yeah, I, the whole time I had that Camaro, I heard all the reasons I needed to get rid of the thing. And, uh, right. they said, well, well, you're going to get a job and, and then you're going to need to drive in a winter and that thing's rear wheel drive. And I said, right now, I, right now I don't have a, a job I need to get to, uh, in the rear wheel drive thing. Uh, that happens after I graduate from college. So I'll worry about it then. Right. So matter. So again, it's a matter of message and relevancy. Absolutely. And it's very easy to kick um, our financial problems down the pike, like kick, yeah. kick, kick the can. I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it later. When it's really matters, I'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think that there's a balance between understanding there are certain things that are relevant down the road. What I meant by saying that is, yes, I know. Uh, in a couple years, I'm either going to trade the Camaro in and get something else, or I'm going to get a second car. Right. I'm not there yet. I don't need to be there yet. So a relevant message would be think ahead to that. And how can we get you there faster? Absolutely. And I think it's important. You just said, you know, I'm not ready to be there yet. That's one of the biggest conversations that I have with clients. Sometimes they're not ready to be where I think they should be or where I want to push them to be. Yeah. I got to deal with where they are and then see if I can, uh, give them enough information to want to be in a different place. Right. But if I don't recognize that they're exactly where they are, we're not going to go anywhere. Sure. You know, there's something, this wasn't officially in our, in our conversation uh, notes, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up anyway. Uh, you know, we hear stories about billionaires who have spectacular business failures, have bankruptcies, um, have a topsy turvy, business experience. And this is after they inherited money or were given money um, from a wealthy relative that uh, gave them a head start that a lot of people don't get. And you hear the stories where people say, um, well, you know, if they had just invested their money uh, instead of uh, buying all these businesses and doing all these things with their life, they would actually have 17 times the amount of net worth they have right now. And then you look at that same person and uh, you say, that guy do you really see him hanging around country clubs, sipping champagne? The point being, and this is where it becomes relevant to the everyday person, is some folks care more about experiences than acquisitions. Absolutely. So that particular billionaire that I, I brought up, and I think some people even know who I'm referring to when I say that, is you can't really imagine that guy just looking at compound interest and looking at uh, watching more stacks of money come up in his bank account. To him, it's more important to have a rich, full life and take advantage of the opportunities that his drive, his ambition, his success, and his positioning enabled him to do. So, and the, so maybe he doesn't have the same billions and billions of dollars uh, when it's all said and done, but he's got a lot of stories and a rich life. 
Well, that's exactly right. And we're also just seeing a snapshot of people's life when we're making yeah. judgments. And we don't know the whole story. And like, even if you're not a billionaire, it, that reminds me of a story. Um, the UPS guy that used to come by my office for 10 years. Yeah. He would come by. He was a smart guy. And I thought to myself, this guy is so smart. What is he doing being a delivery guy when he like, and that was my judgment, right? That delivery guy wasn't enough. And so one day he comes in, he goes, well, it's my last day. I'm, I'm retiring. And I said, what are you talking about? Like, he said, well, here's the thing. When, when I got married at 20 and my wife got pregnant, I knew I wanted to spend all the time I could with my kids. So I took this delivery job so that I could be done at three o'clock in the afternoon so I could go to all the baseball games and be involved in my kids' life. And now my kids are going off to college. I've got a full retirement and now I get to go out and do all the things that I've been waiting to do because I really, it was more important to me that I got to spend time with my kids. And I went, well, oh like, my God, you had a plan the whole the time. Everything. <laughs> yeah. He thought the whole thing through. Yeah. So, yeah. So he understood, and I mentioned this earlier, there are seasons in life. Right. So when he gets married, you know, young, in my opinion, yeah. and, they ha and he has the kids young, in my opinion, yeah. he says, you know what? I want to be a really great dad. I don't want to yep. just be their father. I want to be their dad. Yeah. And he arranged that season of his life to support that. And then you figure you're having kids early, so you're probably getting them out of the house fairly early. Exactly. Uh, when he's ready to retire, he's probably still got some lead in the pencil, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, he and the wife have a little vervey left, and they want to you know, do those things. They want to have that second honeymoon. They want to get the Winnebago and do the, and do the national tour, whatever it is they want to do. So he was thinking ahead to, now I'm in the season of the kids are out of the house, and now me and the missus can – do these things that other couples may sit on their back porch thinking about that they wish they would have done. Exactly. So there, there is something to planning ahead and not, I mean, and in this case, he didn't sacrifice. He was still happy, right. still making life choice, but he was just more proactive uh, in making things happen for himself, which a lot of us don't do. I think, I think that's the case. And I think part of it, in addition to the failures that we see and the challenges we have with conveying digital literacy education, is also uh, misguided expectations. How many of us have heard that, uh, you know, you're expected to be married by such a time and you're expected to have kids and you're expected to buy a house rather than have an apartment, for example? I hear that one all the time. Uh, yeah. So... I mean, I, I even had a friend who, uh, and I remember this was maybe 15 years ago, and he was so brainwashed that he was knowingly giving up all of his dreams of what he right. wanted to do with life to take a job because he said, you know, you know, you're supposed to marry the girl you knew in high school. You're supposed to have kids. You're supposed to have a house. So I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Wow. And I said, I really feel sorry for you. I was yeah. at a point where I didn't know nothing about nothing either. And it I knew just enough to know. I was at the point where I knew that what he said was the sad result of social programming that was in no way his fault. So I had nothing but compassion for him. But at the same, and I, but I was also at the point where I recognized, yeah, I know all that social programming expectation stuff is bullshit too, but I'm still developing the tools of how I positively assert my own vision and make that vision happen. Yeah, and I think that it's sometimes for a lot of people, it's easier to just uh, not sell out, but just give in to uh, the social pressure 
um, instead of actually saying, no, this is actually what I want to go for. Um, because that road can be a little bit lonely sometimes. That's you're telling, you're telling me, uh, <laughs> just go to, uh, just go to your family Thanksgiving dinner and, uh, you'll hear all the, you'll hear all the stuff. Like, you know, why, why haven't you found a nice person to settle down with? Okay. Settle down. Right. Okay. Do I you want to really settle. Think, <laughs> you really think I want to, you got it. You got it. I mean, the way I look at it is I'm of a certain age at this point and I've, uh, I've dodged the M bullet twice so far. Uh, if I've come this far, it's nothing to me yeah. to hang out longer until I find a life partner that matches my vision and vice versa. Right. Yeah. It's nothing to me at this point. It doesn't matter. I yeah. want it to happen. I take proactive steps toward making it happen, but I don't have to settle because my, my very existence is proof that you will somehow survive if you don't fall into those boxes they try and put you in. Right. And you don't have to check all the boxes. <laughs> That's the other thing. That's the other thing too. Uh, and, and I would add to that, Bob, are these your boxes you're checking or somebody else's boxes? And yeah, and I think that's a really good point. Um, when I talk to people about what are their life goals and life dreams, a lot of times part of the list is mom and dad, spouse. It's, it's their, their life dreams and purposes, not actually the person that I'm talking with. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think that's very sad. And I think that part of the reason folks may get caught in that box is because due to the lack of proper foundation and financial literacy, they take those... I'm supposed to do it choices because they don't have the means to do it their way or even yeah. understand how to acquire those means. Yeah, absolutely. So they say, look, say, say, look at that. Being rich is just for those handful of uh, porcupines. Uh, I don't want to be one of those rich jerks. So I'm going to do uh, what my ancestors have done for 20 generations. And they tell me that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And why we have 50% divorce rate folks. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because we, I think a lot of times what happens in, in, in marriage is people then take on a role instead of take on a relationship and they start to be, Oh, I need to be this way. Cause my dad was this way or my mom uh -huh. was this way. And, and then they start to lose the uh, authenticness um, authenticity of, of the relationship because they're playing roles. A few years ago, I, I knew some people, uh, they were acquaintances for a while and this was a this is an unbelievably happy couple that you know you could tell that they had the type of relationship where they're mutual builders and they lift each other up and it's a partnership mm. in pretty much every sense of the word and they'd been to, and I found out three things about them first of all they'd been together, together over 20 years then i found out that they weren't married okay not a big deal and i found out that after 20 years they hadn't even considered living together <laughs> And, and they are an example of what a lot of people would love to have as far as a relationship. So they just blew the whole trope that, well, you know, if you don't eventually get married or move in, you're not really committed. These are people that were, I mean, if you ever heard the phrase ride or die or, right. or, or in it for life, it was these two people. Right. But they didn't even have to share a home to make that happen. Yeah. Well, that's thinking outside the box. That's awesome. Um, and yeah. I think that's what most people are afraid to do is to actually push the parameters and create their own box. All right. So let's get into creating your own box. Uh, we've uh, spent almost all of our time here looking at the problems with the box, the holes in the box, and what happened to the box after it's been dropped. 
So how are we going to build a box that's going to help us get that good relationship with money that we've earned? So I guess this is where I ask a question along the lines of, for our listeners today, if they want to do something this afternoon and this week and this month and this year to get themselves the relationship with money that they've earned, what do they, what do they need to start doing? Well, I think they start need to be, um, they need to start being conscious of how they spend their money, what they think about money, what they say about money, and start living a more intentional life, making yeah. choices that align with their priorities and with, um, with their values that may not be the same as somebody else. Right. Figure out what's important to you. Is it experiences? Is it having the nice car? Is it traveling? Whatever those things are, like then start creating habits that support your life choices. And that is so simple and it reveals all the reasons that people need to understand their money nerve. Yeah. And this is, I believe, where you come in to help because that was a very simple statement you gave, but it yeah. was so loaded. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many layers to that. For, for example, to create your vision that may be different from somebody else's vision for you. Well, yeah. gee, isn't that easier said than done? Right. Especially as I alluded to earlier, when due to the challenges of financial literacy education, you don't have the wherewithal and you depend on other people. Yeah. And I, I think it's, imp you know, I think we're so busy. I think a lot of us are so busy trying to do the norm or the right things instead of right. actually just tr checking in with what's important to me. And then I think the other big, big piece is that I don't think we have enough of in this country is finding some gratitude. I think we're all, uh -huh. you know, I got to have that new phone now. Really? Wow. I've got a roof over my head. I have a, I have a vehicle that gets me where I'm going. I, I'm my breathing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, I had a, I had a, I had a Google, I had a, a Samsung, uh, uh, Galaxy 3, 3X, whatever, like the, the, the Galaxy 3, the Galaxy Note 3 for five years. Yeah. I only even got the Google Pixel 3XL because the old Samsung just got so beat after five years. Right. I would have kept it longer if it just wasn't beat. Yeah. As, as long as the software kept working. Um, I, when I buy computers, I buy whatever is state of the art at that time. And I get right. the extended warranty and everything else. And it always becomes a contest to see how long I can keep them going. Yeah. I, I remember my first computer was expensive and I wanted it to last like 20 or 30 years. And they're like, Bob, yeah. you have to let it go. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> I, 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 I have a laptop that's in its eighth year right now. So uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate the sentiment. But yeah, and I, and I, think, and I, and I think that you know, to me, what I got out of it, and our listeners know that not only am I the host, but I'm also in the front row taking notes in my aha moments, is that when we look at financial literacy, the first thing we need to do is we need to be literate and understanding our own story, which yeah. is understanding that a lot of it comes from expectations, mind frames, and are you really living your life? Or are you living the life that somebody else expects you to have? And mm -hmm. then how do you assert yourself when you have to go to Thanksgiving dinner with your family and, and Aunt Polly starts with me, why haven't you found somebody? Why don't you have a house? Why aren't you a millionaire yet? Right. It's like, you know what, Polly, I see you about once a year. Why do I even have to have this conversation with you? Yeah. And that's what you're thinking at the same time saying, oh, I love you so much, Aunt. What's your name? <laughs> but yeah. yet we find ourselves in these, and I know that sounds dramatic, uh, 
but I, I think about what goes on in people's minds sometimes. And I just use brain nap as a very poignant example of how we need to understand and become literate with ourselves so that we can realize that we truly do deserve a good relationship with money and success and be able to set that stuff aside and look at what we've done to have earned it. Absolutely. We all have a story and we just have to decide if we, if we like that story, or if we want a different story, and then we go out and, and create um, the changes that give us the story we want. Absolutely. Now, you, uh, I know you're a funny guy. I mean, uh, you know, you have a love <laughs> of satire and uh, the realm of stand-up comedy. And, uh, yep. you know, you've played along with a couple of uh, my bouts of sarcasm here. Uh, <laughs> it's part of how I communicate because I want to I shock people a little bit and I want to keep them awake while they're streaming this in the background. But Absolutely. we are at that time, unfortunately. As much as I'd like to keep you on for three more hours, we do have <laughs> to wrap up here. So uh, listeners are leaning in and they want more. How do they get it? What do they have to expect when they contact you? They can, well, they can get more at themoneynerve.com. They right. can reach out to me at bob at themoneynerve.com. And what they can expect from me is a place, a safe place to explore their money system beliefs, their uh, fears around money, and, and learning to actually proactively go after what they want and, and unapologetically. Yeah, I'm going to have to pick up a copy of that book. And it's also called The Money Nerve. And, the uh, Money Nerve. Yeah, the money nerve. I see it here on Amazon. I'm going to have to pick me up one of those. Uh, it sounds like some really good reading. And I would encourage our listeners to go to themoneynerve.com where you'll find the information on where to get the book if you don't want to search on Amazon. So, uh, Bob Wheeler, I want to thank you so much. This has think, been yeah. a blast, an Ab honor, <laughs> and an education. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being on the show, Adam. Thanks again. You bet. You bet. And for everybody listening, uh, I trust that you too have enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Till next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>